Welcome to the podcast of St. Basil the Great Catholic Church in Brecksville, Ohio, with homilies, talks, and interviews relevant to your Catholic faith. God bless you and enjoy. Thank you so much, gentlemen, for being here today. We'll just jump right in. I am here with Jim Wilkowski, Dwayne Ranta, and Father Walt, if that name sounds familiar. You are in the right place because you are listening to the podcast of St. Basil the Great. And these gentlemen all have one thing in common. Well, many of humans, we're all hearts, but they are also part of the very powerful Honduras mission. What is that? Uh, Lisa, the the mission in Honduras for St. Basil has existed for well over 20 years. It began after a hurricane had hit Central America, specifically devastated Honduras, killed several thousand people, a lot of property damage. And um, the the mission began when, when a missionary came to St. Basil, made a presentation several months after the storms. And under the guidance of Father Walt, there was a mission that began and the parishioners began to arrange trips uh, on a regular basis, several times a year, uh, raised funds to help restore a small section of Honduras. What is the scope of the project? So this began in 1999. What have you guys done? Well, we've done a number of things. Um, Actually, we began. For two years after the hurricane, Mitch, it was, hit Honduras, um, they didn't get any rain at all. I mean, everything, when I first went down there, was brown, everything. And that is very unusual because, you know, they have a rainy season, a dry season, but this was totally a rainless season. We realized how bad the water was. I mean, it was just terrible, terrible water. Most of the water that they use comes from one of two sources. It either comes down the mountains um, from kind of natural springs, but before they capture the water, it goes over ground, and then eventually it gets captured somehow or other in some kind of retaining place. And by that time, there's just all kinds of bacteria and all kinds of uh, infections laying there in the water that people were drinking. The other place that they get water is from the rivers. The rivers are uh, dirty, full of bacteria. Um, people wash their trucks, their cars, everything, their laundry, the pigs, the cows, everybody is in the river. Okay. And that's of course the water that the people were drinking. So that led to, you know, some engineers in the parish, um, came up with a plan. I think Dwayne, you were a part of that maybe, um, to develop some water purification systems. And we're not talking something, you know, with a bottle of water here. We're talking something really substantial. Um, the The idea was to um, be able to just to purify the water and give people decent drinking water. So Dwayne can give us a little bit about what these places look like, where we put the water systems, the buildings they were in. The villages you'd go into and there wasn't a bathroom in the village. So you got to understand that that was part of the water system problem as well, you know, because of, you know, sanitary reasons. And and they didn't have the ability to do it. So we did that with the Honduran people. We put in over 500 latrines. Which area of Honduras are we in right now? We're in Olancho is the um, district or the state as we know them. 
and close to Huticalpa, which is the capital of that state. What year did you first go down? I went down in 03, 2003. It was my first trip. And what was that experience like? Um, it was eye-opening. You know, I previous year had gone to Appalachia and, and done Appalachia with the, with the high school kids in that. And then this here was just, you know, overwhelming to see the people and to meet the people and to experience people with nothing but have more joy in their hearts than you can ever imagine, you know. So we had many things going on, but the water systems are most important to us. As we built them, we decided to put them in aldeas, where basically villages, so that a, a group of people in that village would be um, able to use that water system and and take care of it and teach them to maintain it so that it would go on. So let's break down a water purification system. About how long does it take to build one of those? It it takes them a week or so to build a house. You have to understand these tanks uh, range from 300 to 500 gallons um, in terms of storage and, and the ability to provide people with with adequate water for their drinking, for their cooking is, is, is very important. They will walk several miles to get to water uh, from these villages in every village. And you have to understand when, the, when you look at the water coming in from the streams or, or the rivers when it is pumped in, it looks fairly clean, as you may see in the Brexel Reservation. The water looks clean. But when you look at the filters, when you, when you remove the filters, a bright white filter, brand new, is uh, brown as the mud in just a matter of, of a couple months and sometimes quicker than a couple months. So, so that was in being ingested by all of these folks and leading to many of the health problems that they had. And it's interesting, when, when I joined, my first mission was uh, 2014. So many years after, after the, the mission began, I could see people that mm. in just the 10 years that I had been going, improved their health, um, children's health that improved. And I understand that that was the way that things have been going since 2003 when Duane went down. Is there a special story that comes to mind? Well, you know, it's it's interesting when when we would go to the villages and and by the time I was involved there were uh, well over 40 water systems um we ultimately ended up with 57 at the very end but it's very very heartwarming when we would go into a village the the villagers they they questioned some of the technology that we were bringing in in terms of the the pumps and the the tanks because that is not part of their everyday life but they were willing to learn and actually you know very willing to help and uh, the the gentlemen uh, the the young children the ladies in in the villages would all be do whatever they could provide. Uh, we would be working and uh, some would bring fruit to us or bananas from their gardens, from the surrounding area. Just very gracious people and uh, very curious, but very thankful. And, and again, the water at the end looked very clean, just as it did when it went in. And so it was somewhat of an education process to teach them <clears throat> that this water was 
good for them and much better than anything else that they would get, even though that that stream might be right next to their home. And they, you know, it was important for them to walk a mile or more to get clean water. Yeah, that sentiment of the willingness yes. to learn and teach themselves and be curious about it is tremendous. And the walk, because I think about, I used to work at a food pantry and we'd have families come from Honduras and all over Latin America. And it always amazed me when they'd come to the pantry, they weren't allowed to take the shopping carts home, but this family lived about a mile away. They didn't complain. They just made it work. And they loaded up all of their groceries. They had their little babies on their back and they would leave half the groceries in the lobby, walk the mile, walk the mile back to pick up the second load, walk the mile back. And it is just amazing. So, I mean, the spirit of people from Honduras speaks volume and that willingness. It's very powerful. Yes. And you have to understand there is a language barrier. Many of us would go down there and, and know very little Spanish and, uh, and, and the villagers knew very little English. So you, you communicate a lot with your hands, a lot with your actions. And, um, you know, over the years they learned English and we began to learn better Spanish by our definition, better right. Spanish. Right. All of it was supported by the parishioners. A water system basically would cost about $3,500 to build the water house, which is just a, a small building that will contain the water tanks and the filters. The water houses basically were all donated by parishioners of St. Basil's, and we put a little plaque um, on each of the water houses showing who the donors were, that I'm sure the, the plaques are still there, and that worked out very, very well. It was somebody's brilliant idea. I don't know who, but uh, I'm glad they did because it, it acknowledged the donation, but it also marked the place that it had been donated by St. Basil's. So, you know, when the time came for me, to plan to retire three years ago, we had a steering committee for, for Honduras, and part of it, of course, was the water systems. It was a large part towards the end. We all recognized that we needed to do something to make sure that we could continue and the people could continue the water and have safe water into the future. It would be very wrong, actually, to do all of that and then have that end up decline over years. So we did a lot of planning as to how we could sustain the systems going forward. And, you know, so far so good, but it, it's going to continue to need the support of folks to, you know, maintain those systems and to keep them going. And that's why we're talking today to explain um, our cups over there. Yeah. You know, so um, I think everybody in the parish who's been here for a while, I think they've been using them Every year, even after I left, it's St. Basil's Honduras mission. And what we ask folks to do, we ask just to, not that we're against cash, but we ask primarily for people to place coins uh, during Lent and whatever kind of sacrifice they're making to make that perhaps a part of it and to place their coins in the cups beginning on Ash Wednesday, actually. And the cups will be available in church the Sunday before Ash Wednesday with coming up here and just uh, but place their donations in the cups. You know, it's not one cup, it's all the cups. And there's been many, many donations that have made in cups, but that's what helps to sustain 
what kind of what we're all about in maintaining those systems. The people, just so it's been said, the people in the villages also support the maintenance of the water systems on a kind of a limited basis. Like we ask, uh, and we have people who work for us down there that uh, maintain the systems and speak to the people all the time, but ask that, you know, they take care and maintain, but they also, they pay like 50 cents a week for the water. And that's kind of their help to that. And that will help assist in the, in the maintenance of it going forward, you know, that they're really, so it isn't like it's just us supporting this. We're also getting support from the people in Honduras in all of the villages and, you know, they all contribute. So that's important. Right. Absolutely. And you're giving the power back to them as well to continue to maintain their systems. Absolutely. I was just in Honduras with Father and Dwayne and uh, and John Rukart, another gentleman that that joined us, and and we were looking at the quality of the the structures, the quality of the water systems, and I saw some water systems that had that I had not seen before that were over twenty years old, that were in very good condition. What needs to be replaced are the filters, and once in a while some piping, but but typically just the filters. We believe the the Lenten cups are great for. It's a great opportunity for families to uh, empty their change, dollar bills, checks fit in those cups as well. And certainly this helps to supplement the villagers who do pay on a weekly or monthly basis for their water. Great. So I'm going to pick this cup up on Ash Wednesday. Yes. How long am I going to have this for, and what do I do with it afterwards? I think it's kept until Palm Sunday. And they ask, you know, for people to return the cups to the parish office. Why did you all feel compelled to join this mission? Well, to me, there was just a great need, you know, and um, and obviously there's more that we do down there that we could speak about um, in supporting not only San Francisco de La Paz, which is the parish we're in and where the villages are. And actually, we go way beyond that particular little count house uh, city as well. Um, but, you know, it's just the people, it's what Dwayne said, the people are wonderful. The kids are, you know, always happy, always sad. You know, you see kids, you you give, first thing I noticed when I started going down is we would take candy and stuff like that and give it to the kids, you know, and in my experience in the States, you know, when I give you a candy bar, it's your candy bar. Down there, they share it. You know, will, you don't have to tell them to share it. You don't have to encourage it. But brothers and sisters, whatever they get, they'll share it with each other just very readily. You know, it's just natural, spontaneous. They do it. So um, that's been a, a real inspiration to me. Jim, what inspired you? Well, listening to some of the parishioners that had been on missions doing presentations, uh, something struck a chord with me. I had a, a, a week of some, of, of some vacation time for uh, a late October that I really hadn't any plans for and um, made the decision that I was going to begin doing this. That was back in 2014. Told my wife that I was going. A little bit of apprehension, you know, it was just something new. But, uh, you know, once I was down there, met Dwayne and, and, and began doing the work and, and meeting the folks down there, I was, I, I was hooked. 
And uh, for all the reasons that Father and Dwayne mentioned, the kids, the people there, they just, they're, they're just, they're very gracious. They're very thankful. When I went on my next trip, uh, my wife joined me. And Monica was the same way. She was, uh, she was just connected with all those people. Yeah, that's, that's one thing that people don't realize, that all the parishioners and all the people that have been down there with us over the different trips and over the years, everybody that you talk to on the plane coming back, they say they went down there to give, but they realize that they were given more than what they gave because of meeting those people down there and understanding importance of life and the priorities of life that people sometimes lose track of. So the parishioners who were here donating, putting their spare chain certainly made a huge impact. Absolutely. 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 Yeah. And we pray that you have it in your heart to continue to support and maintain the systems and the families out in Honduras. I think that the certainly the the the, the monetary contributions, the the Lenten sacrifices that can be provided by some very full cups, will be will be greatly appreciated. But the continued prayers for the people mm. um, in Honduras, I think, are very important. I know they have us in their prayers, but the challenges down there. With the with various economic and political influences, I think are very important to to just keep in mind and and pray for success for them. Water, it's a very powerful element, and yeah. so basic. Huh? <laughs> it's so basic. Taken for granted here, where you drink from the faucet and it's pure water, but down there, not so much. Exactly. Well, don't forget, pick up your cup on your way out of Ash Wednesday Mass. Fill it with all the spare change. Make it fun. Find a family and have a competition to see who can come up with the most money in your cup. And <laughs> Father Walt will treat you to dinner. No, I'm That's just kidding. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At <just> Swenson's. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you guys so much for joining us and sharing you, your Lisa. experience in Honduras and the work that you guys do. We'll continue to keep you all in our prayers and especially the families down in Honduras as well. Thank you so much for tuning in. We are here for you. We are praying for you. And we will see you guys and talk to you all later. We hope you enjoyed this audio from our parish. You can find other homilies, talks, and interviews at our website, basilthegreat.org, or by subscribing to this podcast in your favorite app. Just search for St. Basil Catholic Church, Brexville. St. Basil the Great, pray for us.